Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Well, you did. Five, you did it. Four, three, two, one. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. You there surprised was, me. Yes, there was no, there was no little bird flying in the window this time. You didn't give me a bird. You said no. I was number one for real. No, you really are number one, Jim. You're number one in my book. You yeah. need, you need some casual reinforcement at this point. I, I uh, definitely do. When it takes you forty-seven takes to get one four-bar keyboard. Four one four, oh, only 47. four four bar keyboard. I cannot say that three times fast. Jim, I have entire song files I deleted just because I got pissed off that I couldn't hit the solo right. For some reason, <laughs> I kept almost every other freaking chord. I was I'm using this mini keyboard, right? So my fingers are a little fatter than these keys, and I'm striking them, and uh, I'd be hitting like a wrong note. I was like, ah, I gotta go back and record at home, record thing. Now, if I was smart. I would learn how to use the software and pull the bad note out because you can see it. You yeah, can see you can just key. go into the piano roll and click it and delete it. Yep, no big deal. Anyway, um, I'm not that smart. We got. <laughs> Don't make me read some iTunes reviews. Um, we should probably do that soon. <laughs> if there are any new yeah, ones yeah, out there, I, I haven't been in there to even look. Um, yeah. so I forgot the housekeeping last episode. I've been forgetting the housekeeping. You know, recently. That's all right. Every other time you're getting it. Yeah, as long as you guys, you know, get it every once in a while. So I'm going to go ahead and do it now. Are you a regular listener? Why not subscribe to Practical Guitars using your chosen podcast app? Take the time to put in a review with a service where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play. Get involved. Find your Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Practical Guitarist. You can also find your on uh, you can also find us on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. If you're interested in supporting the show, we have launched a Threadless Store at Practical Guitarist Podcast at threadless.com and if you'd like to donate money to the show there's always patreon our patreon is available at patreon.com slash practical guitarist if you'd like to reach out to us directly you can do so at questions at practical guitarist.com i've been practicing and i still make mistakes but it's fine um yeah, that sounds good uh, i'm gonna you know and i and i swore off that i wasn't gonna do this i was gonna like fly it in from now on but i think i am i think i'm gonna do like a real professional version of that yeah. and fly it into our show so yeah, that's, that's, that's so all idea. of our fans can skip right through it. Um, yep. They'll know. I'll, I'll, I'll let everybody know in the Facebook group when exactly the show starts. You can skip the yeah. intro and that. You can, you can always skip to like second 12 or eight or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, we did our other episode last night. So we're, we're recording actually in uh, concentric nights, which is nice because we can kind yeah. of take a look back at the material from last night and go, hmm. Um, wow, that was terrible. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, I will not sing you the song of our people, I promise. Um, that was a one-time thing. Um, I, I had to resist really hard putting like a fuzz pedal and delay on that. <laughs> you should have. You should have uh, done like a thing into a, like a distorted mic. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's plenty like distorted. That. It's plenty distorted. Trust me. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. Um. Well, so, Jim, you got you got some topics. I mean, we were talking. Yeah, you got some things you want to read, and uh, yeah, but let's uh, let's talk about some injuries first. Oh, I'm, first, okay. I want to talk about the fact that, as I said, I was doing these these takes with a keyboard, so you might be able to hear my clicking. Yeah, hear my keyboard in the background. Um, so 
I, all I did was record people like eight bars of a solo and uh, maybe 16, I don't know. And the whole thing um, took me like an hour and a half to get it right because I kept clicking like the, the edge of these keys and stuff. Yeah. So my right hand is freaking killing me. from Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like major, minor, major, minor, minor, major, hey, minor. You'll seven. be fine because next time you do it, you won't have to worry about it because your fingers will be stronger. Just, you know, right. man up about it, Jim. Or now I got to now I got up about the, it, uh, frankly. Yeah, I got to do the verses. I got to do the verses. So um yeah, my hand hurts. So you had uh oh, forearm. So, all right, all right. So I'm looking at there's a there's a a dot on my my middle finger right now. About 3 Uh-oh. weeks ago, 4 weeks ago, I put a bowl in the dishwasher and the bowl shattered. Well, I was putting it was a glass bowl. And, oh shoot. And uh, it was an older glass bowl, so it wasn't like safety glass or anything like that. And right. it shattered and it and I got shards of glass in my hand, like all over my hand. Um, and I got one area on my middle finger at the, uh, the joint. So, you know, the joint at the end of the finger, and then there's one joint down. So it's in the middle joint. Right. Right. And, um, I pulled it out. I pulled out the shard of glass that had caused the cut. And, uh, I, you know, of course, bandaged and, you know, cleaned my hand up and pulled all the other shards of glass out that, that unfortunately were not, you know, they didn't, they didn't hurt me. Um, it was just like right. having slivers or whatever. Um, so right. I pulled all I pulled all the shards of glass out, and I went about my you know day and and whatever. And then a couple of days later, I um, when I was changing band, I noticed I had a blister there. Like this is weird. Like I normally don't blister. Like maybe it's because it's on the joint. Well, right. So I kept a bandaid on it because I was playing guitar and stuff, and I didn't want to I didn't want to reopen it or anything. Well, after about a, a week and a half, I was like, what the hell is going on here? So I did my my emergency medical procedure and I lanced it with my knife and I was like digging around on it cuz I'm like what is going on here this is weird. It was like there was two blisters, right? There was one on That's the surface. That's painful just to listen to. There was one on the surface and one inside. No, actually it didn't hurt at all. That was what no. was fucking weird. So it didn't hurt at all. Even to cut it open, it didn't hurt. Ah. Um so I I let it go. I put a bandaid on it and like you know, kept it clean and stuff and did my antiseptic and all that. And for like the next week, it just kept blistering. And then it would rupture like when I was playing guitar and then it would blister again. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So yesterday oh. or the day before, um, I was playing in the morning and, and I sliced it on a fret, um, fret end. And then I was like, all right, to hell with this. I gotta, I gotta deal with this. So I stopped and I, you know, kind of massaged it a little bit and like went and all of a sudden it, it hurt. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like that's the first pain I'd felt in it in, in probably two weeks, three weeks, you know? Right. And so I'm like squeezing on it. I, I'm sorry. This is disgusting. Everybody. I'm like squeezing on it, like whatever. And all of a sudden it starts hurting again. I'm like, what the fuck? So yeah, I, another look piece real, of glass I look real close. Oh yeah. I look real close and there's just like little things sticking out and it actually looks like part of the wound, you know? And I'm like, Right. I don't know what the fuck that is. And I'm like, I, I tried to pull out my fingers and I couldn't get it. So I got a pair of tweezers and I went to the bathroom and I pulled out a piece right. of glass that was in my finger. That was, I mean, it was as big as the wound. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was, I Ow. mean, it was big. And I, I got a picture of it. Um, I'm not going to post it in the group. I don't want to, if you, if you want to really see it, you can, you can Facebook message <laughs> <Hell>. me. But <laughs> yeah. I pulled it out. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like this thing was still in there. So now that I pulled it out immediately after did, I did that, 
like it, the spot doesn't feel irritated. It doesn't itch. Uh, I've got, oh. I've got skin growing over it already. Like, and this yep. is, this is a day ago. So I'm like, well, <laughs> lesson learned. <laughs> That's right. Lesson learned. If you play guitar, don't do dishes. <laughs> don't, don't do dishes. Well, I used to <laughs> skateboard. <laughs> I used to skateboard and, and I was real big into skateboarding. I did. I, I mean, I was doing it a lot, like probably four or five hours a day. And when I started to pick up the guitar, it was around the same time. And like, I fell one time and I screwed up my hands. And that was when I decided, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. Like I had to pick yeah. and I picked yeah. the guitar. So yeah. <laughs> I stuck with it, but see, there you go. Lesson learned. Don't skateboard and don't do dishes. All right. So the first thing I want to read about today is um, I posted in the group about the fact that I was looking at some pics, right? And I was thinking about asking somebody, because Christmas is coming, everybody always asks me, what do you want, what do you want me to get you? And they don't want to spend a lot of money. So I'm like, oh, how about these Howling Monkey guitar picks? Well, this guy, Ray Blowers in the group, thanks, Ray, uh, put a very long, I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, uh, review on them, but the, I'll pick out the high points. So he ordered pretty much what I would order, the number 358 three, uh, teardrop picks. Um, he only got two. Two of the three, and these are seven dollars a piece. And so, I would have probably said, mm, "I want my third one," but he didn't. Anyway, he, he said uh, for two reasons. Primarily, he didn't like them at all. He said they felt slippery, even though they've got like a pistol grip, um, which you can see in the picture. Yeah, di- a, di- a diamond, pl- a diamond pl- plate, like right, not like, diamond, yeah, but, well, yeah, yeah, diamond serrations. Yeah, which we used to use on different things to make it so people won't slide around like on, on non-skid strips and things, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, he said it didn't work. He said the harder he squoze, the more it felt like um, the pick was going to fly out, which meant he squoze harder. So it just added tension to his playing. Um, and two, where? And uh, that was the big thing. And the ad copy talks about how these picks are you know, so durable. And uh, so that that was one of the reasons I said to my daughter, I said, maybe that's a good gift idea, which I've since relinquished Um, because they say that it's um, uh, a seed that grows on palm trees in South America called a taqua nut, taqua Mm. nut. Interesting. Uh, And uh, he said that the product does have the dense um, tactile qualities of dense wood. So how durable do you think it is to be scraped against steel? Right. That's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, wood? That's ridiculous. Wasn't there a, a pick I talked to you about? Wasn't it chicken picks I talked to you about? And you said you got white stuff all over the place. Um, Was it chicken picks? No, it's the cool picks. Cool picks. Um, but the cool pick, so the cool pick is, and you can get them on Amazon. If you search for cool pick, they'll come up and they, they say cool on them or whatever, but, but they're, they're uh, like a medium thin, or like they're down yep. in, that, in that range. And the cool thing about the cool pick is if you drop it on the table, it'll ring out like a, like a, a horn. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Wow. And, uh, I would imagine you, that'd be cool for like an acoustic. I was just going to say, you play an acoustic guitar with that and they'll take a $300 acoustic guitar and make it sound like a thousand dollar acoustic guitar. Wow. It's ridiculous. That but, nice, huh? But, you'll go through two or three of those picks a show because, because <laughs> they just fall apart. I mean, they're, yeah. they disintegrate. Like using a bar of soap <laughs> worse. Um, but I mean, so I have, 
we, let's talk about designer picks for a minute because we're talking about this other thing. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. Wood would be an awful choice for a pick. Um, especially anything that really is like, I can't think of a natural substance other than maybe like tortoise shell or something like that, which is now illegal. Yeah. Which we all now. Yeah. And that's Um, a good reason for that. Yeah. I can't think of a substance like that. That's not like that, you know, tusk or, you know, what, and I'm not talking TUSQ, uh, something like that, that would have the same, um, hardness required to be a guitar pick. Now I use V picks. And one of the things that, I don't use them exclusively anymore. I used to. Um, one of the things that VPIC touts is that they hold up. Um, I'll say this much. I've worn my, I've worn at least one of my VPICs out. Um, right. And I, ha- I have probably seven or eight of the triangle uh, mediums. Because um, they're six bucks a piece. Who can afford more than a couple of them? Um, oh, yeah. So I can still use these. I don't think, I mean, they don't have their natural tip, which is a, which is a sharp point. Um, actually they're probably better than they were when I first got them now. Um, but it's, but it's annoying because they say that's one of their big things is like, Oh, they last forever. And they don't, I mean, they, they're a pick and that's all there is to it. Um, and the other thing is I noticed the V picks, they give me so much more pick dust. When they come apart, it's, I mean, it's just, it, I have to wipe down the guitar every time I play it. I'm looking at my SG because I was just playing it for Jim a minute ago and uh, it's got pick dust all over it. And wow. I just cleaned it like the other day. So, you know, um, I'm, I, I, I'm not a big like neat freak with stuff like that. I mean, yep. guitars are going to get played. They're going to get, they're going to get mucked up and all that. It's fine. Yep. Um, but it, but it's kind of annoying because again, you know that every time you see pick dust, that pick's coming apart. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know. Uh, they, the Dunlop, um, what is it, the, um, and they're, the ones I use are black. The uh, Tortex, or the Gator yep. Gator Grip is what I normally use from them. Uh, yep. Well, I have, I use other stuff from them too, but the Gator Grip, I have the black ones, they still put pick dust everywhere. And they're oh, yeah. black! You'd think oh, if yeah. they're black, the, the pick dust would be black. No, it's not. Right there. Yeah. Jazz 3's, been using them forever. I do not. Uh, the only time that I I don't have a pick is not because I wore it out. It's because I dropped it. And I can't find it. It yeah. goes into that that pick hell. The black, yeah, the, the black abyss of picks. Um, I use the Jazz Three uh, Stiffos. Okay. Um, I also use the Jazz Threes, and I use the um, Eric Johnson signatures, which is pretty much the Jazz Threes. Yeah, they're basically the same thing. Same thing. I'm using, uh, what is it, one millimeter, I think. Um, so, so the reason that I've seen a lot of guys go to these, like, designer pick brands is because they have problems holding onto a pick. Now, I can share, yeah. some, I can share some tips on this. Um, I actually used to get stunned up the, the Dunlop, um, the standard Dunlop uh, gators, and then yeah. I would take a Dremel, and I would shape them to a point, I mean, they would be almost like a triangle. I wish I had one here so I could show you, Jim. Oh, I do. So I would do this to them. See how that, that's sharpened to a point? Yep, yep. That's what I, I do that. I yep. would do that. And then um, the, this one hasn't been fully prepared yet, but I'll take a razor blade and I will cut a grid pattern into it. And then I will right. cross cut it. And I'll go pretty deep in it so I can get some pretty good texture on it. And that keeps it from falling out of my hands. This whole like gator grip powder crap, it's bullshit. Doesn't do anything. Um, no. 
And then I even so like the, the reason I said some of these guys will go out and buy these picks because they they want something to hold in their hand better, and that's a totally valid reason to do that. Um, I will say the V pick it doesn't have anything in it that would um, improve grip, but the material itself when it gets hot tends to stick yep. better. Tends to stick better. So now, which one is that? That's, that's your uh, that's the V pick. That's a V pick. Now. Um, again, I don't, I don't have any problem. I guess it's just the wording that they etch into it. I, I don't know why, but the, the stuff that they etch into the Jim Dunlop USA model. Yeah. Um, they, I have no problem gripping them, but I have a, I probably have a tighter grip than most, um, which is not good to take my word for it. You should have a looser grip. I'm, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Um, just I, work for on tension that. I work on that myself all the time, all the time. Um, it, same reason, like when I was playing that keyboard part, as many times I screwed it up, then you get tense. You know, I do you get tense. You go, ah, geez, I need to, I need to hit this again right the next time. And so that tension, you always got to remember, okay, quit, take a break, let your neck, you know, relax, let your shoulders relax, so and so. Anyway, um, but as far as picks go, I, I agree with you. I don't know now. I know that uh, what's the guy um, Jackson, Robert Jackson, his channel is. Um, uh, back by Pickers Grip. I might reach out to them and see if they'll send me just a just a tube of it because they're they're here in Virginia. That just and, uh, like um, the stuff you put on your fingers to yeah, you put it on your fingers to get it. I knew a guy that now I can't use the stuff, but there was something that this guy put on his strings to make them so that he could fingeries. Have you ever used that stuff? Have Hell you, no. Th- Hell that, no. That, I he swore by it. I All mean, right. he was a good player. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a I know, I know, but some of that stuff is snake oil. And like my, I've never particularly had the problem with dropping picks, but that's because I do things like the cross hatching or I'll drill holes in them. That's another thing that I've done and have been very successful with. And these are simple things too. You can make yourself a jig in like two minutes and then just drill holes in every pick you get. You'll never have that problem again. There Um, are those I know um, that just, they just etch, they etch them. That's what I do. Just like you're doing. That's what you I do. Or, it. or I Swiss cheese them like that. Yep. Or you Swiss cheese it. Yep. Because that's really what there's a there's a pick company that sells like a, it's almost mm-hmm. got a plastic um, rubbery cover for the pick. Yep. Yep. I tried them, but I just I don't feel comfortable. Using I think them. a lot of I think a lot of gimmicks. Well, anyway, for, so if you have a two piece pick, you're immediately yep. opening so, opening yourself up for problems because I just yeah. don't see how that's going to hold up. Nope. Um and. I, I've also seen companies that sell picks that have been like pre pre drilled and stuff. Those are fine. Um, yep. I just, if you can do it yourself, why, why, I mean, if it, it takes like two minutes to drill a hole, it's not a big deal. Um, right. So, right. And I, you just got to have a, a, you know, a hand drill and a, um, a now, little patience and a really small drill bit. As I've gotten older and Jim, you've seen my style. Like I tend to be a pretty, pretty aggressive, like shred player. Aggressive picker. Yeah. You um, and I both play aggressively. And, well, you know, I play shred music a lot too. So right. because of that, that really conflicts with what I'm trying to achieve. So what I found is in order to get myself to loosen up, I'm going to thicker and thicker picks, right? Yep. So I think I've maybe have talked about this on the podcast, but when I started out, I was using, um, I was using thins and I, yep. I quickly went to mediums. And then for a long time, I used uh 0.77 millimeter gator grip, right? And I have one right yep. here. This is what I used to use all the time. Um, that's yep. from that batch. And then I went to two millimeter gator grip. I think there was another stop in the middle on the way there. That's a hell of a jump. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think there, I think I went to one millimeter first and then two millimeter. And now I'm at 2.75 or 3.75 in the wow. V pick. 
and I think the stubbies are five. And I find that, mm-hmm. and, and the reason for this, and I can demonstrate for you, but um, for our listeners, if you hold your hand in the natural shape of your hand, like the C shape, your finger spacing between, between your index finger and your thumb is pretty big. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's way more than the, the depth of a pick, right? So yeah. I try to mimic that because that's the natural relaxed position of the hand. And I found that allows me to play longer and I don't play as stressfully. Like I don't have to push as hard and my thumb isn't all flat on the pick. If you're, if you're no. holding your pick and your thumb is like flat on the pick. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying like, you can't have it like somewhat flat like that, but if it's, but if it's to the point where you have like a 90 degree angle in your thumb, you're holding yep. the pick wrong. Um, now I, I there, it's see not a, wrong, but I mean, you're holding it in a way that's going to make it more difficult. Right. I mean, you saw that Stevie T thing where he showed the different uh, ways musicians hold picks. Yeah. It's interesting. You hold your pick. So for the listeners, um, what's happening is we should probably put a picture up. Yeah. So um, David's David's thumb is flat against the back of the pick and his two fingers are on the other side. Yeah, I mean, typically it. it's like this, Jim. That's that's I tend to is. I hold mine like this. Jim, so, Jim is Jim is actually holding his pick with the, the thumb over the top, but it's on the side of his index finger. Right. Whereas so my, my fingers are flat of, on it. Right. Where um, David's thumb is going perpendicular to the or, or uh, uh, along the uh, pointy edge of the pick. And then his two fingers are on this side. Mine goes perpendicular to the pointy edge of the pick. And then my my um no that's that's about, index finger Jim that's about rests. where I, where I'm at too the the pick sticks out the side about ninety degrees but what you're what you're noticing that's weird is where my index finger and how it how it fits in yeah that. you put your index so finger here it's not yeah. it's not like this it's yeah like I can't this. do that I had to do this well that's because I use I, that I kind finger. of almost use the knuckle of my index finger it'd yeah. be interesting to put a picture up and uh, show our viewers what we're talking about yeah maybe we should try to do that and and if it's not in the show notes it'll be in the group um so we can yeah. discuss it so. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting. We got to get people to take pictures of how they're holding their pictures. Yeah, that's a good idea. Everybody, there's the ones that do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you saw the way uh, Michelangelo Badio. I can't even believe his. I can't believe he doesn't just throw the pick in the air. I would never be able to hold it that way. He's like, who is uh, who is it that that's um? Oh, is it? Was it Hetfield? No. Well, he's he's got a weird style too, but the one that the one that everybody always talks about is um, Marty Friedman. Oh yeah, because his pick. So he holds his pick so it, so the tip faces the ceiling. Yep. I mean, his arm is completely yeah. crooked. I don't yep. know where like he got this. that from, but that's his thing. I, yeah, Badio. He's he's using all kinds of muscles. I can't believe he can move that fast. Yeah. Well, in so he's movements. If you watch, um. It's any of Troy Grady's work, and I want to get um I want to get a subscription to him, and I'd like to get him on the show. Yeah, I, um, yeah, that would be cool. Troy yeah. Grady has this whole series where he he examines the mechanics of how people do this stuff, and you'll find out that um what Michelangelo Badio is exaggerating doing is exaggerating movements so he can be so he can be more relaxed. That's that's what he's yeah. doing. So um, yeah, I'd like to watch that. I mean. You can find some of them online, but now that he's and, and rightfully yeah, now so, that he's, he's proprietary. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I mean this, the work he's doing is pretty incredible. So I, I, I'll pay for folks it. watch it. Yeah, there's um, uh, there's where he's got the cameras. He has a specially built uh, uh, camera that's not like when they put GoPros on the end of the thing. No, he's, on the end of yeah. the headstock, he's putting a camera right on the fretboard so that you can watch. 
it's between the fretting hand and the picking hand. Yeah, so you can so see you can, exactly the pick motion. Yeah, so it's up at like the twentieth fret, and you can see every picking motion. And he does it with high high speed camera, so he slows that thing down like a bullet going through a um, yeah. banana. And you think, oh, well, how useful is that? But once you understand the mechanics of how these guys are actually doing some of these things, it does improve your technique. Yeah. Um, and it actually allows you to get more control. So his whole big thing is the, the downward pick slant. And yeah. he talks about basically what he means is taking the pick um, so that it's, you know, parallel to the ceiling and then tilting it like 45 degrees so that it's at an angle um, that right. would that would intersect the ceiling, you know, essentially. Yep. And the the reasoning for that is, of course, you're you're reducing the uh, the friction of the pick right. and the and the tip of the pick as it hits the string. And and yes, he's absolutely right. That's going to allow you to speed up. But the thing is, it takes away the articulation. So I actually went the other way. I was already downward pick slanting because I'd figured it out a long time ago, and I was like, right. I need to get away from this because I want the articulation. Right. So, but but you can learn from it, and that's the point. Is that he's <clears throat> showing you these mechanics so you can learn. Yeah, and the big thing is is learning those micro uh, movements to improve your speed. Uh, but you kind of have to sit down and you have to go slow. And any speed player, just about any speed player, is going to tell you to play fast. You got to play slow. All right. Now there is there are uh, I know that there are people that say, well, you got to to play fast. You got to play fast. But to play fast, you also have to be able to do the same movements in a controlled environment and then move them quicker. All right. Can I? Can I? And then we're going to switch topics because I, yes. I really got to step in here. Um, <laughs> so I hear these these guys saying pick fast or pick slow to, you know, to go fast or or play slow to, to go fast or whatever. Listen. there. Th- everybody knows you all remember when you first started playing and if you and if you can play fast now, great. But you remember like, man, I really want to be able to do that. And then searching the Internet and looking for how do I do this or asking your buddies or your guitar instructor, like, how do I do this? And what was their yeah, answer? It was in, like, it was like some Kung Fu shit. Cause in 1972, fast, you must go slow first. Yeah. It's well, in 1972, I was like, Oh man, all those YouTube videos in 1972. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Character. Like you're asking around, you go to shows or whatever, but it's fucking horse shit. I'll, I'll tell you right now, you know, you go fast, you practice. It doesn't matter if you're going, fa- going fast or going slow. Look, you're going to fail a fucking lot. It's just the way it is. You need, you need to get the muscle memory down by going slow. But as soon as you got that muscle memory, you blast. Go as fast that's as you I'm can. Talk- that's what I'm talking about. That's the only way but you're going to you get have, faster. But if your muscle memory is wrong, I'll take this side. Well, of that's what I said. You got to slow. You got to learn wrong, it at the right right speed. Right. Then you can speed it up. Well, but if you have wrong muscle memory, then you're just going to play sloppy anyway. You're just going to be really fast and sloppy. And, and we get, all know those players. And the other the other part of this that people neglect is that um, when two things and one of them should be fairly obvious at this point. How are you going to increase your speed if you're always playing it at 90 beats per minute? Right. If you need to get it to 140, you got to increase it by 90, you know, for five by five beats a minute occasionally so that you can at least get to that level. Absolutely. Um, And you're going to fail as you get up. Yeah, that's just part of the this part of the exercise. And as long as you can do it at 90 and shoot and do it at 95 and then do it at 100 and do it at 105, then as you get faster, you're going to get better. And yes, at some point you're going to get to the, to the fastest point that you can play. Well, it's not just that it's like running, the, it's just the, like anything. the other part, the other real problem we have with this is there that they're making the assumption that you're going to build this muscle memory and then you're not going to exercise it and you're not going to, 
be able to go through that, go through that, that um, machination to get you to the right place. And by saying, oh, I'm just going to increase the metronome and I'll just play along with the metronome, that's great. But it doesn't develop your natural rhythm and your natural ability to throw phrases in that don't fit within the, the current context of what you're doing. So, like, for example, um, if I'm playing a piece and I got the solo that's more like David Gilmore-esque where I'm going, you know, 70 to 80 beats per minute, lots of big bends, and then I want to throw in this, you know, I don't know, Yngwie-esque lick, just one part, just so I can have a buildup or something. Look, I got to know how to transition. And by doing those little yes. micro metronome bumps, you're not getting the transition part of it. You're not going from 60 beats per minute, you know, quarter notes to uh, to uh, 30 second notes, for example. Like, you're just not doing that. So you have to you have to make those big jumps. And the only way you get fast, really, is going fast. Unfortunately, look, you, you can build the muscle memory until you're blue in the face. But if you never challenge yourself, you're never going to get there. So I just hate that because it's like this voodoo bullshit when somebody says to go f- to go uh, fast, you have to go slow. No, yeah, but to, it's voodoo bullshit. Right. You have to practice. I, I would, I would, uh, I would totally argue the opposite. I would totally argue the opposite, and I would totally argue the opposite for one reason and one reason alone. If if you learn to run wrong, just we'll take it out of guitar for just a second. If you learn to run wrong. And then you run real fast wrong. You're bound to fall on your face. But you're never going to recognize your potential if you live under the delusion that you have to do it slow all the time to get it to the right place. That's the problem. But see, okay. I'm not going to reward that kind of thinking. That's all I'm saying. I would give you that side of it. Hey, guys, listen, you should see David's face right now. I'm fucking furious. Dude, I spent years of my life doing this. I can fucking actually play this shit. Okay, that's the difference here. I hear tons of fucking people out there. You got to do this. You got to do that. But I don't fucking see them doing what I'm doing. I don't see them doing what any of these people are doing. When you, when you hear Michelangelo Badio say it, he always says it in the context of you got to use that to build up. But I hear people and I fucking just saw Robert Baker the other day saying it. Look, you got to go first, but by going slow first and then not giving any context. And it's like, right. dude, what the fuck? Like, if you're a young a beginning guitar player, you have to give that context. That's why I don't reward that kind of thinking. You say you have to practice. That's all you have to say. Yes. And that's I think that's the I think that's the part that gets left out. See, we're both we're both saying the same thing. Yeah, I'm not I'm not it, saying you can't point. you can get away without doing it. I, right. I You do have to. But at some point you have to make that leap and that distinction between, hey, I know how to do this now. Now I have to work on actually getting it up to, to the level where it needs to be. Absolutely. Now, uh, okay, so <clears throat> that would be like um, if somebody was to take that argument, and I'm talking about the, the opposite of what you're trying to say. So it was to, to say that, then every time they ran, they would ran, run slow first. That wouldn't make any sense. Exactly. Once you can run fast, you run fast. Once you can jump hurdles, you jump hurdles, and exactly. you jump them faster and faster. faster, faster. Exactly. And it, it, once you once you can throw a ball, if you if you see the guys out there playing football and running um, running routes, they run routes in the beginning. They're they're warming up. They're going slow. But when they get when they get fast, they get fast and they stay fast. And the only time they slow down was when they're purposely trying to lose somebody. So yes, I see your point. Once you get there, you shouldn't be slow. Now maybe to learn a part like you're learning flight of the bumblebee. 
maybe yeah you gotta go and you gotta yeah because then, it's, i mean it's a complicated series of notes but once you've got that series of notes down you're done then go because right but your slow becomes somebody else's fast at, at that point what you thought was slow or what you thought was fast two years ago <laughs> is now blinding speed well, what was but now you're sitting there going Oh, this is so slow, but I got to get it right. You're going. Yeah. But two years ago, you were like, you know what I mean? I'm just. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is that they don't. We're saying the same thing. They're always. They're very careful to say you can do this quickly by spending a lot of time doing it, but they don't give you the idea of how much time that is. And that's what ticks me off is they make it out like, oh, well, if you do it this way, it's the easy path. Look, there ain't no oh. fucking easy path to this. Um, now, I will tell you this. I didn't learn the same way everybody else did, where it's like, okay, I'm going to play, you know, this this scalar pattern, and I'm going to do it ascending, descending, and then I'm going to do it uh, with upstrokes and then downstroke. You know, I'm going to do it starting on an upstroke, starting on downstroke, and then do it all alternate pick. Um, first thing I learned was economy picking, which is this idea that right. I'm not going to move my shit that much. And then the second thing I learned was tremolo picking. And once I realized I could tremolo pick and I could get my left hand moving in sync with my other hand, everything fell into place. So I was able to do alternate picking like decent speed runs pretty quickly within two or three years of me picking up the instrument. And then, and but I spent a lot of time developing the complexity to be able to jump strings and all that stuff in between later. And that stuff didn't Absolutely. come immediately. But I'm just saying like for the for the vast majority of like beginning guitar players who are like and I really want to be able to do some of this stuff and like get the gateway to, you know, feeling like I've, I've accomplished something. You can do that in a very, very um, straightforward manner and not necessarily even have to practice it the way that they're, that they're making out like now, granted, if you want to be able to play like, you know, those uh, crazy shred leads, like right out of the gate, you're going to be doing a lot of woodshedding and you're going to be running those scales and you're going to be doing that kind of stuff. Um, but I just I think it's I think it's a it's a misnomer to make an assumption that like everybody learns the same way and that um, maybe, you know, a lot of people th- I, and I've heard this said before, too, which is like you, you you approach the guitar and you have these individual muscle groups that you've never exercised to play the instrument that you're going to you're going to build up. Um, the guy who's a, um, uh, I'm trying to think who just said that the other day that I was I was watching on YouTube. But but basically it's the idea that like, oh, well, you've never developed these muscle groups. That's not necessarily true. Um, it depends on what you do. I mean, some people sit at a computer all day and use their fingers all day long to type shit. Right. But piano players often make really good guitar players because they already have some of the musical background and then yeah. they sit down at a guitar and it's basically very similar motions in a lot of ways. Um, now, granted, you're not doing bends and stuff like that, but I could see how that how there's a transitional element there that uh, kind of works out. Horn players. Yeah, I mean, I started on a trumpet and I could definitely see like some similarities between pressing down the valves on a trumpet and playing notes. Granted, that did not prepare me for playing guitar. Like none of those things really did. But but there are certain things that also um, we get to think about Um, if you're if you're one key, a one finger typist, you're a one finger keyboard player. It's a different thing. But if you're a multi-finger typist and you're a multi-finger keyboard player, then that definitely makes sense because. We also learned another thing that a lot of people don't do, don't learn, and it's not necessarily a muscle; it's a way of thinking, and that's individuality of the yeah, of the how fingers. to separate the motion of the fingers, and, right? And that it, no, there's a muscular component to that too. 
Um, yes. And that definitely comes from things like typing and, and uh, keyboard playing. But yeah. um, so the other thing I wanted to say about this whole like mantra of, you know, going slow to go fast and, and, and these kinds of methods. So if anybody is familiar with um, trade skills and the way that they were taught and stuff and, you know, prior to really prior to the early 1900s where you'd have the yeah. apprenticeship thing. Um, right. This is almost a holdover to when like some lay person would come up to a locksmith and say, well, how do you do that? And the locksmith would make up some bullshit voodoo to keep the guy from being able to figure it out. Um, <laughs> and that, no, honestly, I think this is like, yeah, no, this I is agree the with cool, you. This is the I'm cool, agreeing with this you. is the cool kids making yep. up some sort of like cool slang to make it seem yep. like it's, you know, it, it, to make it seem like they're wiser than they are. And right. that's what frustrates me is I think that if we're teaching people to play guitar, especially in the climate that we're in, where we're talking about declining guitar, you know, whether that that's actually happening yep. is completely up to everybody's debate. But if that's really a thing and we're all concerned about making sure that the next generation is able to play the instruments, we need to break down these barriers. We definitely need to be like, look, it's just practice and like, you know, and a little bit of hard work and, and it pays off if you do it the right way. Here's the right way. And stop coming up with these like secrets of shred videos. The one I was watching from Robert Baker, that's the one. That, so I was cleaning, I was cleaning up my, uh, my music studio and YouTube happened to be on and I saw it over in the sidebar and I'm like, Oh, I got to click on this. And yeah. I, so I clicked on it and it started running and I just like started shaking my head, but it was funny because there was an exercise in the middle of it that he did. Um, he said Paul Gilbert had, had showed it to him at some point or whatever. So I, I picked up my SG that was on the wall and, uh, I, I learned the exercise real quick. And he's he's like, yeah, he's like, if you can play it at this speed, then, you know, he's like, you're he's like, you're in good shape. And I just blazed right through it. I was like, well, I guess I'm better than I thought I was. <laughs> you're going to have to send me a link to that video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't, um, I, I'll post it in the show notes if I can find it in my history. But, you know, as, as things have happened lately, uh, shit tends to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so, um, yeah, I'm lucky enough that I, I'm always logged into my YouTube um, account whenever I use YouTube. So I've always got in my history, but anyway, um, <clears throat> the, uh, yeah, I, I think that it, uh, is that most people probably already know you've got to be careful and you got to take it with a grain of salt. When somebody goes, um, you know, I've got the secret of, of playing Ain't no fast. fucking secret. You can spend, watch guys on stage. $29.95 to this. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what the secret of playing fast is play. Yeah. Fucking play. Jeez, I'm playing. Well, and then play it faster and then play it faster. For, for any of our beginning listeners, people who are like, you know, just learning about our show and stuff. Um, anybody who's just beginning the guitar or anything like that, who may stumble across this, you know, cause this is going to be on in perpetuity. Um, I think if you're, if you're looking at this kind of stuff and you really want to know what you got to do, look, and this applies not just to music, but this applies to any skill that you have to yep. develop. And that is, you need to put the hours in. If you want to develop a skill, you're not going to just suddenly wake up and be so talented that you can do it. You have to spend the hours. And then when they talk about the, the mastery principle or whatever it is, like yeah, in order 10, to master 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours. I mean, I hit my 10,000 years guys. I or no 10 years. Yeah. I, I hit my 10,000 hours just recently. I mean, I just recently I've been playing 15 plus years. Yeah. So yeah, you can't, if you play three hours a day every day for 10 years, that's 10 years. 
So that's, I mean, some guy did the math. I don't remember what his name is. And there's a book called The Outliers. I'm, I've actually got it in order. Um, and uh, I recommend um, at least looking at that idea. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, crap. Rick, Rick, Rick something runner. Uh, I watch a lot of his videos. Now, I'm, Beato. Yeah, I'm, you know, I've got a is senior it, moment going on, folks. Beato, that's it. Rick Beato. He's, um, he's got a thing where he talks about the 10,000 hours and he says, is it bullshit? And the thing is that some stuff is bullshit, but I would, I would argue with him in that what he's got is he says, oh, it took me this long to learn this, but it took me this long to learn that, but it took me this long. What we were talking about with the keyboard thing and we were talking about with the, you know, you can take these things and bring them to guitar um, or you can take them from guitar and bring them to keyboard. You're, you're learning on that new thing doesn't start from zero now because you've got some of the basics of it. It's just the 10,000 hour thing is you've got zero to, you know, infinity in 10,000 hours. That's what they're talking about. So. Yeah, I would have hit, I would have hit cause I'm doing the calculations in my head, like based on what my practice schedules used to look like. And mm-hmm. I probably hit it five years ago, right, right around five mm-hmm. years ago, four, four or five years ago. Yeah. I don't consider myself a master, but but no. allegedly you, by the mastery principle, I am. <laughs> so anyway, Jim, we got other, we got other so fun topics that are not going to involve me getting into a yelling match. Let, let's move on. Switching, switching topics. So <laughs> let's let's hope that I don't piss David off again. Here we go. Um, <laughs> here we got, that was um, mostly a semantic argument anyway. So I have a Facebook friend who's now part of the group. Um who mentioned that he had ordered a um hoarded ordered oh ordered a um I'm sorry if I mispronounced that um who ordered a guitar that was um uh through a small builder in Southern California um and uh he's paid everything but one payment um and he'll pay he'll make that payment in the next couple of weeks and he hasn't received any information about his guitar and he's kind of ticked. And I think we went over this with um, Kiesel. Um, so I don't want to point out the guitar company just yet, because but there was a video up. Yeah, let's that, wait and see how this plays out before we start shaming people. Right. But I do want to say this. Somebody did shame them and then took it back down. So I want to talk about the YouTube community again, because it was a YouTuber that put up the shaming video, right? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, yeah. They're saying that they've got these um, uh, uh, guitarists that are that are endorsed, and all they're doing is you know selling them a guitar and saying we're now you're endorsed, you're we're endorsing you. They they charging full price for a guitar and, and endorsing you. And then um, he got the um, builder, which who who I've reached out to to see if he'll come on our podcast, and um, he asked about that endorsement thing, and the builder. Um, I did see both of the pod or both of the YouTube videos, the interview and the first one. Now they're gone. So I won't talk about the YouTuber that did it, but I will say that's kind of um, irresponsible. Again, that's why I'm not calling this person out. Now, if it did happen and if it is happening, that's one thing. Um, Because the one guy um, has told this dude that he said, oh, yeah, I've been waiting 15 months. Well, they've only been back in business 16 months. So I highly doubt that somebody's paid full price 
I mean, there's got to be something else in there that we're not not hearing the whole truth and, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah, but, uh, well, so these these small builders, right? Yep. Um, they get extremely annoyed by people calling them up every 10 minutes and being like, Where's, when's my guitar done? Right. When's my guitar going to be done? Um, now. They kind of set in some cases. They and it sounds like may have been, they set themselves cases. up. For that, they right. set themselves up for that by saying, "Okay, you can give me a you know deposit, and then you pay this amount each month until it's done, and then I'll send it to you." Like you know what I mean? Um, you set yourself up for that because the guy's got to know he wants to know when his guitar is going to be done, so he knows when he has to pay it off. Because usually, right. what happens when you have those kinds of situations is people buy an instrument and then yeah. totally plan on paying it as they go and don't actually have the money up front. Um, right. I know because I do the same fucking thing, but that also yeah, means that I want to make sure the guy gets paid. So right. my whole thing is like, when's it going to be done guys? I need to know so I can make sure I have the money in my account for you. Like that's right. we're musicians. We live on tight shoestring budgets. There's nothing we can do about it. Right. But the um, way this company is doing it, they're taking payments. And even if the guitar isn't done, they're getting full payments. Yeah. And so that's what, that's what irritates me. But again, you, 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 so you have to know this going in with, with a builder that you're putting some risk out. It, it always yeah. is going to happen that way. Um, yeah. You should have some sort of paperwork that backs you up. All right. Yeah. But you also know, and we've all seen and heard these horror stories about companies that fold. Yeah. And so you it's have to be understanding that if I'm entering in and buying a $3,000, you know, guitar from a builder. I am putting my money where my mouth is and hoping that, you know, that the guy doesn't go under. Yeah. Um, and your only recourse at that point is to sue him for bankruptcy and you're not going to get shit. You nope. get pennies on the dollar. You'll be lucky. Yeah. You'll be if lucky you get to get anything. 20 bucks. If yep. you get anything. Yep. So it's, it, that's the norm because people stand in line when a, when a company goes into um, bankruptcy court, um, you get, you get in line. Yeah. Get yeah. And, and anybody who's owed more gets more first. Yep. Um, yep. And it's, you know, and and if they need, if they're going to continue to operate business, that plays in too, because it means that they have to pay off certain people. Now, the funny thing about that is I've, I've been through a company that actually went through a bankruptcy. And uh, when they, when they did it, they, they thought they would be able to pick and choose who their suppliers would be based on like who they could pay. Well, the court told them, you can't pay anybody shit. We're going to tell yeah. you where you're putting your money. You're right. not allowed to pay anybody anything. Yep. So, you know, it's all the court. The court decides everything at that point, which is kind of crappy when you think about it. But it's also, you know, that's the way it should be. Um, you've yeah. obviously mismanaged your money. And so and now the court's going to help you. Yeah, you need to be penalized for it. Um, and so that's fine. Like, I get it. Um, and, and as far, I mean, I just, I've never been in a builder situation where I've risked a lot of money. You know, um, having a custom built guitar you can go to big companies and get that done. And it's not an insane amount of money. If you go to the right companies and you're not looking for some really ostentatious details. Well, one of the other things that this company um, promised, which I thought was odd was they promised a full four day past the NAM for their endorsees. I'm putting air quotes out for people to endorse. Yeah, and see, that's and a- so that's kind of like buying your, your four day past the NAM and, no one company can give any more than X number of four day passes. It depends on so, how many passes they apply for. Cause I think, that's what I'm saying. I think if you go to Nam, I, th- so press gets a certain amount of passes. 
Um, they know that they, they are probably estimating based on their demand how many passes they will receive and and will need. So right. they, if they get, let's say they get 10 passes or 12 passes, and they know that they only have six indoor seas and they got two orders waiting, they figure, well, between now and then, I'm not going to get an extra four. Um, and well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to message you the amount of money that was charged for this guitar. Yeah. Cause we're not going to, we, we won't talk about that. And, um, uh, that, yeah, that's not much. That is not much, which means that there's a lot of people that can afford that. And there are people who will pay that just to get to Nam because that's their Mecca. Well, you know I, what will, I mean, I will, I will say this right now. Um, I would be highly suspect of said, uh, suspect company for buying squires and doing refinishing work at that that amount of money, folks. This yeah. is this is this is custom guitar money, but it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not, not in. It's um, not what you normally pay, which suggests where, to me that yeah. this is a this is a. We'll take parts from somebody else and make them look better, or now, I'm not saying maybe feel right. better. You know, I'm not saying that that's what this company is doing, but if if I wanted to make uh, shred guitars, for instance, and I thought, okay, you know what? Um, I gotta, I gotta meet a certain demand. I could, I could get bodies built, built overseas, sent to me, and then for pictures, put a router on them and a sander on them. Yeah, and then, and then, boom! I got all right. Because what's the most? What are the two most expensive parts of putting a guitar together? The neck. The neck is right. easily the most expensive, um, and yep. then of course the body and the routing and the shaping and all that's usually pretty absolutely. Pricey. So if you just if you just fake up some of that and then um, finish it, because it, it depends on your finish quality, you well, can look, dip them. Perfect, perfect example is Nash, right? Yep. Nash makes. I mean, they they get their bodies. I forget who they're getting their bodies and their necks from. They don't make their own bodies and necks. They made that right. very clear. They're very very public about it. They do they do the relicking. They do a fantastic job setting those guitars up. Yep. And um now I you know what? This is we're talking about Nash. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this too. They they do a fantastic job setting the guitars up and then they resell them for like two thousand dollars. Right? right. Like twenty between twenty two thousand and three thousand bucks. I don't think right. there's any Nashes I've seen that are any higher than that. Now, Nash gets a really bad rep, okay? And people are like, oh, well, if I could go buy a body and a neck from Warmoth and get and pay $200 to get it set up, you know, professionally and get it plecked, listen, that's not all that goes into a Nash. Nope. Okay? Number one, the finish work and stuff, like in a lot of cases, you know, that's a that's a nitro finish, and they're spraying it the real way, and they're relicking that guitar using, you know, the actual methods that you should use to relic a guitar, which is not drag it behind your truck. You know, it yep. is, it is <laughs> spray it down with liquid nitrogen, uh, do hand uh, checking and stuff with it, with a razor blade yep. and, yep. and to, um, you know, to remove the finish in the right way to press dirt into it with it, with an actual physical press to make it look like, you know, you pressed and absorbed your fluids into, into it. Gross. Um, and that's, I mean, look, I get it. That process costs money and it ain't cheap. I can take my guitar. There's there's a couple places here in Chicago that'll do quality relicking like that. They won't touch anything. It's not nitro. Um, and they have a very high price tag. We're talking $500 for a relic. 
Right. And it's, I mean, they look great. They look like the real deal. And if that's what you need, um, then, you know, that's where you go. But right. my, my point is that, you know, Nash gets a bad rap because all they do is a setup and a relic job. Yep. They do a lot more than that. It's, there's more to it than that. It, you can go, yeah, you can go on Craigslist and get yourself a half-ass setup and a relic job. I mean, it's it, we've all seen them. Belt sand, uh, you know, belt sand the uh, the forearm contour, and uh, there you yep. go. You know, <laughs> like there's your relic. <laughs> now, yeah, and again, I'm not uh, I'm not saying that this company is or isn't doing that. What I'm saying is, it would be easy for them to get um, Jackson or carbon. Co- I mean, not carbon, not Kiesel, um Yeah, uh, Jackson or yeah. Uh, what's yeah, it, or Kramer or whatever copies oh, yeah. from overseas. You've got a you've got a copy sitting right behind you. Yeah, I'm a, uh, an identical my, copy. Shang's right over here. Yep. If, if you took all the other stuff off of it, it'd be a Les Paul. And um, <laughs> yeah, right. And then you could. Well, you know what I mean. It sounds it, like a Les Paul. You could. Yeah. Now it does. <laughs> yeah, it fucking sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, I should play before that thing sounded, for you. Yeah. Before it sounded like a. Um, it sounded awful, but anyway. Yeah, that's uh, my point is, um, if I was to pay that much money, the the number I gave you, I I just would be suspect that that's not a real made in USA, handmade guitar, not over a certain number of months. If you think if you break that down into hours and um, amount of money made on the guitar, um, because you've got to put money into the guitar, you've got to pay people to work. I just don't see that being a lot of money. I, I just doesn't make any sense to me. There, um, there's a company I can't remember what the name of it is. Black something. That they are, they are an import brand, right? Like they, they uh-huh. buy Squires, they sand the logos off, and then they, they do some relicking. And I think they actually do. I think they actually strip the bodies and then refinish them in nitro and then relic them. But I could be wrong right. on that. Right. And they're getting seven or 800 bucks for a guitar. So, yeah, I mean, that's if they're buying an yeah. affinity strat and stripping and all that, like I could see seven, 800 bucks. And I, you know what, and there's a, if that's what you need, yeah, fine. An affinity strat will be fine. Yeah. If you put the right electronics into it and it's not a dog shit body to begin with. Right now, um, there's a company out West, um, out in California. I don't know if they're still around that we're making guitars out of, um, skateboards. Yeah. Prisma guitars. But those things are $4,000. Prisma guitars. Yeah, because they ain't fucking around. Those guitars are some serious business. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd love to get my hands to, on one just, Me too. just to play it. Just to play it. Yep. Um, Same here. I, it's one of the only, like, hippie guitars that uh, I would consider, um, but well, not for that kind of money. So they're not they, – actually, they're not that bad. So they start at $2,500. Um, yeah, and they make a couple of models for like twenty seven. Uh, oh, they come down in price a lot then. Yeah, when I looked into them, they were relatively new. Yeah, I think he streamlined a lot of his processes because because he was on uh, he was on sixty cycle hum a while back. Um, yep. he actually came down to the show and and recorded with them. Um, and it was it was a really good interview, and uh, he talked about how he'd injured himself, and I think he's got some help in the shop now too, which is helping to make this all possible. But yeah. Um, He's admitted, like, and he's got. You can look on his site. He does have some guitars listed for like thirty five hundred bucks. Um, that would. Th- yeah, these are totally. Yeah. Psych- if I was doing my psychedelic thing, like this would be right up my alley. Yep. 
It's totally look, cool looking stuff. They look like fucking tie-dye. It's, it's hilarious. Amazing, amazing looking. And no two are going to ever be alike. I want, like, I want a total flower child guitar. Like, I want, yep. like, an SG with, like, flowers yep. and shit on it and, like, the the um, the Monterey pop, like, style, like, finish on it and shit. That, um, that Dia, Dia, Avalo, DI, yeah, I you're looking know, at D- 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 Diavolo. That's the one I looked at before. I was like, yeah, that's freaking awesome. Looking. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty come cool. On. That's, that's pretty cool looking. That's cool beyond cool. But let me tell you, he's so most people would think they're stacking the, the skateboards like long way towards the neck. No, no they're stacking them this way. Yeah, they're short so, way. They're like sandwiched. So, yeah, so. there's like a there's like a ton of of skateboards. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, yeah, and and the thing is, like, if you know anything about skateboard construction, that's a great way to do it because it's laminated anyway. Yep. So you're getting a guitar that's like basically glue. I, these things got to be heavy as fuck because they're because they're basically oh, yeah. glue, they're basically glue. Um, yeah. They got to be weight relieved. He's he's got to be doing some weight relief or something to him. Yep. Because there's no way you I can would, play. You could no. play. There's so much glue in that. Be like play. It would be like playing uh playing IKEA furniture. Yeah. <laughs> But well, I know I know that I priced one out by doing the um, oh his custom build thing, yeah his custom build thing, and it pretty much came out like that it was crazy expensive because um, you start just, with like a relatively plain plain uh, thing, but you've got you know the f holes and you've got everything else. The if I went with it, it'd be pretty expensive. But anyway, I mean, I want a fucking strat style body, man. Like, what the hell? He doesn't have a strat. Yeah, my point is, if he's if you're going for a um, a custom build, you're in the you're in the two thousand dollar category. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you're getting a parts guitar called a custom build, which which it is, which it is. I mean, you're specking your own stuff, but it's it's still like it's more of a mass produced style guitar than you're caring to admit. Like I don't right. tell anybody my GNL S five hundred is a custom built guitar, but it is built to my spec because I asked for certain things on it and I got them. Um, yep. That's that's basically the way I look at it. Um, and and right now, um, as we're in year of no gear, if I were to order a guitar myself, I would probably just break down and go get another GNL. I would get a um, I would get a humbucker single single with stainless steel frets, no pick guard. I want direct mount. And uh, basically the same thing as I'm looking at from from uh, uh, the Ibanez AZ series, and I can do it cheaper. Um, but I'm I'm not gonna do that. This is the year of no gear, and I'm committed. So and I'm yeah. committable. Yeah, you're you're gonna be committed at the end of this thing. Oh fuck, dude, you have no idea. I need fucking <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous like bad for, for for fucking gear. Like like seriously, I'm thinking about starting a Facebook group, Gearholics Anonymous. For those of us who have like gotten into trouble and like need to stop can go and talk to each other and we can have like sponsorship and a 12 step program <laughs> and all that. Cause I, I need a higher power at this point. I need it. Oh yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> and then Mesa, Mesa in the middle of this has to drop the fucking Fillmore. Like what are Isn't they doing awesome? to me? What are they doing that, to me, man? Isn't that Fillmore awesome? So, well, anyway, I, I just wanted you guys to, you know, maybe pipe up and say, you know, yeah, I've done a custom build or I've seen a custom build. And- yeah. If you had experience with the custom build, sure. Uh, reach out to us. I mean, I've had pedals built for me. Um, yep. and I bought, I've bought several weight. I've had a modded. I bought several yeah. weight listed pedals before. Yeah. Um, 
which reminds me, I need to check my my mail because my King of Tone is coming up. Which, Should be. Yeah, which I ordered that two years ago. So yeah. Now that is one of the little gray areas of Year of No Gear, folks. I right. ordered mine back in 2015 or something. He he ordered that before we even started doing yeah, this before, podcast. Before, Jim, <laughs> before I was uh, before I was aware that Jim is an angry old I man and, and we get I think along. Before he even knew my name. Um, he, oh, I don't uh, know. I, I have a good memory for that shit. Like I see people in sixty cycle and other groups and stuff, and I see you and like I I was seeing uh, other names and I it's like I know that person from somewhere. Like I didn't necessarily know everything about him, but. Who's that crazy old man? I'm a man? fucking internet stalker. Don't don't tell anybody I said that. Uh, we're, but anyway, we're yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the point is that uh, what we're getting at is David. David is not breaking the rules with that at all. No, no, no. We we had talked about that, and actually, if you go back to the first episode where we suggested Year of No Gear, which I believe was something like the hardest year, the longest year. Um, yeah, the longest year. Yeah, <laughs> if you go back and you listen to that episode, I believe it was suggested in that episode that yeah, if I get the King of Tone, like. It's I've been waiting for it anyway. So is the um, so is the sun. Yeah, face, the other I think, one. I think the sun face was talked about. In that yeah, the sun too. face. Yeah, um, the sun face and the king of tone. Well, we were talking about. So if I didn't like the king of and tone, of course, I would sell it and I would get the NKT sun face. Um, I, I did I talk about it on the show being able to play the NKT? No. Oh, oh, you have. We gotta back the fuck up then. On the show. All right. All right. So we're we're in an hour. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend an extra twenty minutes. You guys get twenty minutes extra for for uh, the uh, Labor Day week and all that. Um. So I went to Good Time Music, and and this leads me to another thing is I probably didn't tell everybody that I went back to play the Fillmore. Um. So I went back to Good Time Music. I think it was last <laughs> weekend to play the Fillmore. Um. Oh, I think it was Friday. I don't think it was because I, 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 I have Fridays off occasionally or if I or I have Mondays off occasionally, depending on how things are going. So I went and um, I went into the store and I plugged into the Fillmore and I brought my sun face with me because like anything I get has to be able to play with the sun face. I'm not even going to bother if I can't. Um, and I found that it it does extremely well. So I was playing for a while. I got to play the Silver Sky while I was there. I know we talked about that on the show. But while I was there, another dude comes into the store, um, and uh, he he's like, "Is that a sun face?" Now I thought, and he's probably a listener now, so I, I'm just going to say this: like, I'm not trying to insult you if you're if you're a show listener at this point. But um, I thought, because he's like looking at my gear, like he's walking around, and and I never recognize. Like I know most of the guys that come in that shop pretty regularly. Um, and he's walking around and kind of like, look at what's look at what I got. And I'm like trying to pack up and I'm like, oh, I got to keep everything all secure. Cause I don't know. I don't know what this is all about. And, um, he comes over to me. He goes, is that a sun face? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, he's like, I got one too. And he pulled his out. Now his had to be like 10 years old. Okay. It looked like it had been through hell. It was, it, it was completely caked in dirt. And like grime and and the old sun face finishes because they're gold did not. I don't think they had any clear coat on them. So they just like absorbed any kind of grime and garbage that was around the environment. Well, so as it happens, he goes, what transistors do you have in yours? I said, mine's the new RCA. He says, I have an NKT. I said, oh, really? And he's like, you mind if I try your RCA? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Um, so I stood there and watched and. We we lined them both up, 
We ran him into the Fillmore and we switched back and forth. And honestly, so in the room, like when I stand in there, I was like, oh, well, I think there's some subtle differences. Um, but I think they were, they were so effing subtle. It's not even worth it. I don't, I don't need another sun face. If I do, it's a backup for the one I have. Um, I guess the NKT is worth a lot of money. Um, and actually the one he had turned out to be a white dot, which is worth even more money. Um, but the white dot and the RCA are virtually identical for all, for all intents and purposes. So why is the white dot more worth more money? So the the white dots more rare. Those transistors are more rare. Those are the Holy grail transistor. According to, according to, uh, to Mike, that those are the ones that were likely used in a lot of Jimmy's pedals. And also that those are the ones that sound the best and that clean up the best and have the most clarity, but still retain the warmth and all that. Um, I would say my RCA easily went toe to toe. If anything, my RCA had maybe a little bit more clarity, which depending on how your personal perception or opinion is on it, you may not want that. You may want that. Um, it's different flavors of ice cream. I mean, it's still ice cream. It's, it's still really good, but it's just different flavors. So, and there, and it's very, very close flavors, you know, like, like chocolate and then like, like dark chocolate <laughs> or something. Now that's even too, that's even too distinct. Like, yeah, no, yeah, it's, it, uh, I, it, it was different, but it wasn't different. It wasn't really that different. Right. I, I could definitely see like, getting another RCA and having it have the same minute differences and it, and it just being like totally up to analog Mike's perception of how he, he specs these things and not so much about what transistors are in it, but so much about what he, you know, brings to the table in terms of his selection process. Um, so the cool thing is, um, I have an RCA Sunface, which I paid like 250 bucks for total, I think, ship, right? His probably paid, he probably paid that initially. It may have been cheaper at the time because it was probably ordered 10 years ago. Um, but his pedal is worth like 800 bucks now. Um, whereas my pedal is still only worth about 200 bucks. So, you know, it's it's kind of cool that like you luck out on certain things and they're worth a lot more money than you anticipate, you know? Um, I, I don't look back at my son face and think I should have done anything different. Um, if anything, it makes me realize that I don't necessarily need anything different. Now I would like to have a high gain one. Uh, the one I have is, is medium gain, but I, if I went back to analog Mike, I'd say, what do you got? That's germanium with intense gain and just let him pick for me. Cause I don't, I mean, yeah. I honestly don't, I don't. If I was going to do it, like, I don't want the cleanup. I don't want, like, this pedal is just for rocking, you know? And, um, I don't know. I've been considering doing that, but, of course, that's going to have to wait, so. Um, hey, you can't break any rules. Hey, unless Analog Mike feels the need to let you try one. Since I talked about giving it an extra 15 minutes, what I played the Pinnacle Deluxe for you, the V2. What was your thoughts in just the little clips you heard via, via Skype? I mean, I know the audio okay, quality is so- not great, but. Yeah. So my, my take on the um, Pedicle Deluxe was that it's um, a little over the top for classic rock. But if you're looking for that Ozzy Osbourne or um, that, uh, and not Ozzy Osbourne. Like classic but, um, metal. Classic metal, right. If you're, if you're into like, like Twisted Maiden, Sister or 
Yeah, an Iron Maiden tribute band. That would work. Oh, I have a dude that, that would probably dig this thing. I, I, I have would, somebody I in mind. Iron Maiden. Yeah, no, for sure. I was thinking about maybe using the Trooper as one of the riffs I demo it. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably play it in the style that I played it in the group. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you mean the jazz I, style? Yeah, I, I don't think I would ever do that to anybody. And, and, you know, the funny part is if I did that and, like, like sang it in a jazzy style, like Bobby Darren or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you take my life and I'll take yours too. You fire that musket, musket and I'll, I'll run, run you through. through. <laughs> uh, no, I just need a martini and, like, you know. Oh, God. So, um, I, I... I had intended to demo the Pinnacle Deluxe V2. It's not a new pedal. Um, yeah, you should. I, I'm probably going to do it. I'm probably going to do it in like the, the easiest way possible, which is just so I can get it out the door. And then I'm going to send it off to you, or I will sell it to a lucky person, um, and that'll be that. The money will, unfortunately, go back into my gear fund. Uh, yep. <laughs> if I give it yeah, to well, Jim... Jim... Jim might be, it might behoove Jim to give me yes. a gift if I yeah. send him my pinnacle V2. <laughs> so it, it kind of sucks because I'm really not using, um, I'm not in a position think, where I'm using I a lot of I honestly pedal. don't think this pedal would be, would do much for you, Jim, because you have the, um, the amp one, number one, which can do these sounds. And yep. you have. The, I have the Paisley. So there's one. And function, honestly, there's one function on this pedal. I really, really like. And but it's not worth the entire cost of this pedal, and that is the boost. the 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 effing boost on this pedal is great. That just the, and it's it's literally on the pedal. It's the uh, the right stomp switch, and I yep. got the pedal in front of me. Uh, you can probably hear me unplugging the jack so I can look at it. And there's one knob for it, and it's boost. and And the funny part about it is, you don't hit unity gain until you're two thirds of the way up. But between wow. two, thir- two thirds and you know, um, full full, there's a lot of character there, and yeah. it's basically, from my understanding, it's basically a tube screamer. But it yeah. seems like there's less dry guitar blended with it, which right. makes it and it makes makes it for me. It makes it a lot more usable. That's one of my gripes. Why and and part of the reason why you're getting this free, lovely tube screamer mini is because yep. it blends too much clean signal. I know some guys love that. And it's yep. probably great for pushing an amp, but for just playing around the house and like, I that's just not the sound I'm after. If I kick an overdrive, like I want my whole signal to to crunch, you know? Um, yeah. So well, I'm going to be sending you. I I meant to send it last week, but I'm going to be sending you um, my blues driver. Um, so that's going to come out of the board this week and go out to you. Um, yeah, I'm going to demo. It. I'm going to demo it for. Um, for uh, Jim here, and then hopefully, yeah. Uh, for our regular listeners, it's been modded by um, uh, Brian Wampler, so you know, it's gonna. You know, it's probably gonna make you laugh. It's Jim. not a blues driver. I would, I would <laughs> laugh my ass off because you've been calling the fuzz, but I would laugh my ass off if it's just like the pinnacle. Because I understand, <laughs> I understand all his amp in the box pedals are like somewhat. They owe like some debt of gratitude to the blues driver. They're yeah. like heavily modded, like totally redesigned blues driver circuits. So it would be really funny if we get it and and we yeah, can, we compare it. It's the same fucking thing. Like so you might want to you might want to hold on to the pinnacle. I actually I'm thinking about that now because we're like talking about this. I'm like I wouldn't I be surprised 
Yeah, because then you can like, say, okay, here's a fuzz face, here's a pinnacle. It's the blues driver the pinnacle mod, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, because I think it's fuzzy as shit. I'm like, oh, jeez. But I got I to say this too, Scooper. You will get use out of this thing because that will go great yeah. with your amp one. Yeah, Although you yeah. get the boost on there, but um, just for playing around the house and stuff, to have this kind of drive sound in front of it. Because if yep. you're using like um, anything that has like a real a lot of bass, I know you like bass. For yep. solo tones, the tube screamer is the way to go because it cuts the it cuts the bass out and it pushes your mids, so you just pop right in the mix. Right. Um, that's why. That's why they're you know they're so heavily used. Actually, metal guys love them because they take all the bass and they tighten it up. And they, and what they don't understand, or at least I, mean, I think they do understand it, but what they don't tell you when they when they're like, oh yeah, I use tube screamer, tighten it up. Is it tightens it up because you're just dropping bass off. Like right. you have so much bass going into the amp, you can do the same thing with an EQ. It's it's because the 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 metal the the typical metal guy, not every metal guy, is got the the smiley face on his EQ. So then they put the tube screamer in there. What's that do? If it takes the bass. Yeah, yeah, dude. All off. right. So I realized this a long time ago. We're we're an hour and twelve. I want to keep it under twenty. I realized this a long time ago when I was playing around with the idea of like, how do you emulate good guitar sounds, right? Um, and using solid state amps because I was cheap and poor. Um, right. I was a st- I was a student. Yeah. I would take my Vox. I have a Pathfinder. It's on the floor right next to me. I'm putting my hand on it right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a 15 watt solid state combo, no reverb, nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the weird thing about the Vox Pathfinder combo is that it has a really good clean sound. And a lot of people like them. In fact, I know there's a video of some Studio Pro pushing it with an EP booster and getting some outrageously good sounds. Um, but what I found out really, really quickly, because it has kind of a pushed, a pushed midfield, almost a little bit martially, not not terribly, though, a little bit flatter than that. But it's got a lot of trouble, and I hated that. So what I found out right away was like, if I take an EQ and I put a smile or I put a frown curve in it, it took care of everything. I was like, damn, sounds yep. great now. And I found very quickly afterwards, playing through friends like uh, Fender combos and stuff, you could do the exact opposite. Well, no, Fender combos are, no, take that back. Like your Marshall-style amps, right? You can do the exact opposite. You can put the V-curve in there, and it, and it, and as you're pushing the front end, it changes the characteristics of the amp in such a way that it's very pleasing. So it was almost like, do the opposite of what your amp does. Like that—that's the way to, to run an EQ into the amp, and then you'll get really good results. Like your your mileage may vary, but it's something to try. Um, and I found I can that, tell you that when yeah. when I was younger, every EQ I ever used was the frowny face. Yeah, because you and want so, to push mids, right? Right, and so sometimes, like if you were, <clears throat> um, of course, this was back before the days that everybody had really a, a subwoofer. But you're you're more of a Fender amp guy, though, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So that's why. Cause you're so like when you hear a, a song on the radio and it's played through a Marshall, like your Fender doesn't sound right. So you put the EQ in front of it and bump the mids. Right. So you're putting the mids back in. <laughs> no, yeah. it makes sense. Like yeah. it's not stupid. It makes sense. Um, yeah, that's so I'm, I never I, said I was stupid, but no, okay. no, 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 no. Well, I know I'm, it, Jim, I'm just messing I, with I was just thinking it. No, <laughs> uh, um, no, um, yeah, yeah, I always, uh, I always put the mids back in and it was, it was probably because of the result, like you said, of that, that sound. You realize Especially when you were listening to country music, you realize very quickly that whatever you're pushing your guitar signal through, like you can compensate 
for what the the guitar amp wants to hear. And that right. goes back to like the Mark V tone stack where every tone control is basically just a volume knob for how much of that frequency hits the first tube or whatever. So that right. it's basically, it's essentially a volume knob. Um, right. And if you think about it in that sense, you know, you can do a lot of damage, not damage, but you can make your Mark V sound really good if you have an EQ out front, because then you right. can, then you can kind of play with, all right, so I know the amp doesn't like the low end and it gets really muddy at these frequencies. So I can drop the bass below a hundred Hertz pushing into the amp. And that's going to give me something else. Same principle I use with uh, the S 500s that I play, which has the passive treble bass control through yep. fuzz pedals, because any, any distortion pedal is going to operate like an amp, um, including fuzz in the sense that it expects certain frequencies. And if it gets too much or too little of them, it's going to cause the fuzz to do weird things. And as we know, bass is usually the big problem with a lot of these things because bass has more energy. So it's easier right. to drive an amp if you're pushing more bass. So if you can control your low end, I mean, that's mastery right there. And right. I, I, so I would be lying if I said the reason that I play S500s is because they're good with fuzz pedals. That is a happy accident. And once I realized that, I was like, I don't want any other strat. Like, I, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to take the, con- the controls out and gut them. And I'm going to put in a PTB system like what Janelle has because that allows me to control what the amp on the other end sees. And then I can have any pickup in the world that I want in that guitar and provided I'm getting, I would rather be getting more frequencies and be able to roll them off than to not have those frequencies available. Right. And that's a problem, especially with the S500 design. I mean, it eats amps for breakfast. I have played a lot of amps where the, the, cabinets vibrate to shit and the um you know it, it'll it'll show you if you have microphonic tubes it'll show you if you have cold solder joints because it will make the whole amp vibrate like a motherfucker um yep. and it just has a lot of sub 100 hertz content so you got to be aware of that when you're using it ptb system roll yep. down that bass knob set it and forget it like yep. as soon as the first thing i do is i hit a low e chord and then I, I literally put my pinky on that knob and I roll it back to where it sounds good and I leave it. And yeah. that's, that's exactly the way that like I approach those sorts of situations. Now their treble actually, those pickups have way more treble too. Um, but the treble roll off is actually contoured differently than your standard tone control. So you can use yeah. that, do the same thing, you know, roll it back to seven and you're good. Um, yep. but the funny thing is those guitars don't come standard with, uh, they don't have numbers on the knobs. If you buy one from USA, they're dome knobs. Yeah, great. So I, I have not done this yet. I have every intention of doing it. I'm going to put a little bit of tape on there just so I can Good see idea. where the indicator's yep. at. Yeah, um, I used to put a little marker on it, just a, just a little indelible. Yeah, so. well, I, I think marker would probably be a better option. I may I may just use a little bit of Sharpie and just draw a line so only yep. I can see it. Yep. You know, and then nobody else can see it. And I need to get... Mm-hmm. So my other one has the, the, the top hat knobs with the, the numbers on it. I'm pulling those. I'm putting the dome knobs on it. It's it's <laughs> like hanging on my wall in my bedroom, and I stare at it every night, and I'm like, there's something wrong about this guitar. It needs the fucking domes on it. Yep. And it's totally a functional upgrade. It's not an aesthetic upgrade, people. Because yes. those dome knobs actually do something. Yes. They're, ner- they're knurled. They so yeah. you, can, you can bump them, and they turn, you know? Yeah, I gotta get. I, I want to get neural knobs for my SE, my um, TRS SE. Do black. Got, yeah, do black if you're gonna do it. Do something to match oh, the yeah. guitar. Oh yeah. 
I'll probably get the ones that are on the USA one. I'll just see if I can fit them on there. The knobs can't be expensive. So here, here's where I'm at uh, with, with next guitar purchase. I've been as AZ, you know, yeah. um, yeah. and here and, and the one and the one I'm, you're gonna laugh about is the last I'm gonna say. I've been as AZ, you know, uh, CE is still a possibility. Um, yeah. And the last one is a Harley Benton. <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! All right, here's here's what's killing. Here's what's gonna kill you, Jim. So I'm looking at the Fusion, right? And the Fusion comes with a two with a two post trim instead of a Floyd Rose. So I'm like, this is this is not even as AZ for like 150 bucks or for like 350 bucks, right? Plus shipping. Um, it's stainless steel frets. Yeah, I believe it's a baked maple neck. It is a um. I don't know what body it is, but it's got a veneer on it. But here's what's here's what's holding me back. Number one, I don't like the body shape. Number two, the um, the fucking uh, veneer. It's this absurd looking quilt, and they only make it in in three colors, which is like puke, shit, and like and like bloody shit. Okay, so it's like. <laughs> It's like I don't know. I don't think I could do this. I don't, I don't puke but, shit and bloody shit. But, but honestly, awesome. if I bought one and I refinished it, I could probably play this thing. Oh Although I'd God. have to get it plecked because there's no way it's gonna fucking play right. No way in hell. Oh yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be a disaster. But for three hundred fifty bucks, I could put. I could put. You know, I could put two hundred dollars into it or three hundred dollars and get plecked and. Yeah. Um, Maybe get it refinished for five hundred, and you know, there's my. See, at that point though, that's five hundred dollars plus a three hundred fifty dollar guitar. It's eight hundred fifty bucks. It's so it's still five hundred dollars cheaper than the Ibanez. Well, maybe that's what you need to do rather oh, than the Oh yeah, Ibanez. but then I gotta add pickups and change the electronics. Oh, never mind. I should just buy the Ibanez, right? Yep. <laughs> you should have learned your lesson with that. Uh... With that unicorn, I, I did learn only, my lesson with the unicorn. The only thing you did get from the unicorn that you wouldn't have got with an Epiphone was a livable um, uh, headstock. Because I know you hate those. Headstock. I had to. I had to. I had to bring this up on the episode because um, uh, I, I don't want to get his name wrong because I've had several conversations with him. I'm gonna up on Facebook, so make sure I get his name completely proper. Um, okay. It's Stephen Ray Conradi. Oh um, yeah, we were talking about Ryan's demo of the uh, Harley Benton Fusion, and uh, I mentioned that man, if this thing came in a two point tremolo, like I'd be, I'd be seriously looking at it. And of course, he texts me later and he says it does come in a two point tremolo. I'm like, damn it! <laughs> so I have to bring it up on the show. The, the reason why I will not buy this guitar, and I, it's not really on my list. Uh, the reason I would not buy this guitar is that top is horrendous. And if you have to throw finishing work into it, you've obviously priced yourself out of the out of the realm of possibility unless I do the finishing myself. Um, and I don't like I really don't want another project guitar. I yeah. honestly, after this, this freaking uh, Shenzhen, the the uh, the unicorn, the red unicorn or mascot for the show. Um, yep. I honestly. It's not that it's a nightmare. It's just like, dude, it's so much easier to just go buy a regular guitar and just put the money down yeah. to be done with. Yeah. 
I mean, it's one thing if you have to do one thing to it or two things to it. But when you start having to do over and over and over all this stuff that you got to do to it, it's like, why am I, why am I putting all this money into it? Well, the funny thing is that the gripes that I've had about um, my things are the gripes I would have about a regular Les Paul, too. It has a weird playing angle yeah. for me, for me, you know, like compared to what I'm used to playing. And then it does not stay in fucking tune. And every Les Paul I played, I've had problems with the G and B or the G and D string staying in tune because that the break angle. Yeah. So I'm just gonna have to that. lube the shit out of it. And hope for the best. But I yeah. bought this guitar. This was mostly a show experiment. Um, yeah. I know it was a project thing. I bought this guitar for the show, and I will use it to track rhythm and stuff. Like I'll use the SG on one side and the Shenzhen on the other, and then have my S500s up the middle or whatever in in uh, multi you know multi guitar recordings. I don't really do a whole lot of that. Um, usually I want to use one guitar and one sound and be done with it. But yeah, I can. I have the option now, so I I'm sure I will. Um, yeah, and that's what you should do. And you pan them. I as I said, one on the right, one on the left, one at the center. Right. So I'm saying, yeah. pan them out. I know what I'm doing, Jim. Panorama. I've been doing this for a while. Panorama. Panorama. You know Nama we're over a hundred. We're over at 120 minutes or whatever it is. We oh, gotta yeah, go. yeah. oh yeah, we are. All right, all right, we're done. I've been David. That's Jim. We are I'm practical Jim. guitarists. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>